What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and as always, I'm here with my man, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, how you doing today, man? What's going on, man? What's going on? Hey, man, I'm ready to do another one, man. Talk to you about, you know, the world of sports and all the things that are going on. You know, um, we're in early May and and, um, there's just a lot, you know, um, you know, baseball's playing, hockey and basketball about to get into the playoffs. WNBA is about to start their season. You know, you got some major golf tournaments coming up and things of that sort. And so. And it's just a lot, you know, a lot going on. And it's a good time, man, to be a sports fan, you know, especially here in the Northeast as the as the weather starts to change, you start to really feel the spring coming and all the rest of it. So good time right now, man. Yeah, definitely, man. Like you said, there's a bunch of different sporting events coming up, a lot of things happening, a lot of movement going on in all these sports. So you got to love it, man. You just got to love it. Yeah. Hey, did you see um that in atlanta that they have full stadiums now right when i say atlanta the atlanta braves full stadiums um and i saw at least one game that i saw it didn't seem like many people were wearing masks either so um i don't know i believe atlanta might be the only park right now that's doing that but i thought that was rather interesting yeah and um you know, in one side, you want to feel some happiness, some gratitude that, you know, we're having full capacity. But on another side, you also want to remember that we're still in the middle of this whole thing. Um, even today, news broke that there was a bit of an outbreak with the Yankees. And, and they're a team that's almost, they're over the capacity of the 85% vaccinations done. Um, and they still had a positive case today. The game was in danger. It's still going on. But we have to remember that we still are in this pandemic and people still need to take care of themselves, even if these stadiums are planning to operate at a hundred percent capacity. Yeah. You make a really good point with the Yankees situation, because that was what I think they call a breakthrough positive, right? Because the person the, the, the I think was a coach or someone who tested positive actually yeah. was fully vaccinated. Right. So, and yet, you know, still, tested positive. And we see that happening more times than we would like to believe, right? That fully vaccinated people are still testing positive. Many times they're asymptomatic, so that's a good thing. But, you know, that, but they could spread the virus, right? Because they have it. So, yeah, you're right. It, it The Yankees situation and others show and, and emphasize that we're not quite out of this yet. So I do hear what you're saying about, you know, the Brave situation. But having said that, Rob, I, 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 there's, a, there's the other part of me that says, man, it was good to see a full stadium again. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It, it's just nice to see it, man. When you look, I think back to last season, the shortened season, and games were televised and all this stuff and it was you would maybe see a couple of players in the stands just kind of isolating from the team it was a sad look and even even at the beginning of the season with some of the parks you know opening at 10 percent capacity and stuff like that you wouldn't really see too many people behind home plate or when there was a home run and stuff like that so having 
being able to see that and just every seat full and stuff like that, it's a little bit of a breath of fresh air, especially after the, the kind of year we've had. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of a mixed bag, mixed feelings, right? Because as you said, it's good to see, but as you also point out, we're not out of this thing yet. And so, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, and, and, you know, speaking of mixed, mixed bags, um, you know, we talked a little bit last time, Rob, about what's going on in baseball with the lack of offense. In some ways, I guess it's about what's not going on in baseball with the lack of offense. And, you know, since we last spoke, which was just a little over a week ago, <clears throat> there have been two no hitters, or I really should say two more no hitters, right? John Means of the Baltimore Orioles pitched a no hitter. And then two days later, Wade Miley pitched a no hitter. So, um, we now have four no hitters, and that's not counting Madison Bumgarner's, you know, seventh in, seven inning no hitter that didn't count. We have four nine inning no hitters this year over the first forty days of the season, um, and it highlights once again, Rob. The to me, it highlights at least just how poor the offense is. And again, not taking anything away from these pitchers right a no hitter is a feat to be celebrated but it is happening in the season where the offense is is historically anemic yeah and like you said we talked about this last week on the last show you know we pointed out the numbers the low batting average the high strikeouts the low number of hits it was almost like a two to one ratio it felt like with the strikeouts and the hits and it's it continues, you know, two no hitters since our last episode. <laughs> That's not good, man. And like you said, nothing to take away from the pitchers. It's it's an amazing feat when you can throw a no hitter, you know, you're down in the record books forever for life. Like that's something that you take home with you forever. But this just speaks to the lack, what I believe is the lack of fundamental hitting that's going on in major league baseball in the sport overall. Uh, and that, and that happens at every level nowadays, you know, a lot of the, the analytical stuff is really taking over the fundamental side of the sport, I think. And a lot of guys are, they're not hitting for contact anymore. And we spoke about this last week as well. It's either home run, strikeouts, or walks. So, it, you know, <laughs> yeah. two out of those is going to equal a no-hitter. <laughs> Regardless, <Yeah>. you know. <clears throat> stop the yeah. home run, you, you have a no-hitter at that point. So, you know, the sport is struggling. I think there's a lack of action in the sport and something needs to change, whether it's some type of philosophy uh, or I, I don't know, man. It, it's just not a good look offensively for Major League Baseball right now. No. And and I do think that it's, it's philosophical. I, I think that the approach to hitting, you know, Jeff Fry, you know, former Major League player, mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, he's he's really, you know, started, you know, the she gone movement. You know, he's really made these really hilarious videos yeah. <laughs> on how the current day so-called hitting coaches are teaching. Uh, and I use that word in air quotes, teaching <laughs> young players how to hit. And, and the videos he makes are just hilarious. But his point 
is well taken, right? That all of these new fangled techniques, he said, that's not the way I learned how to hit. And I was a major league player, you know what I mean? And um, I think that it's the approach to hitting that's being taught right now that I believe is, is probably the biggest culprit um, in, 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 in all of this, right? And to me, Rob, that starts at the top. That starts with those who are running the game. That starts with those who are running teams and instituting a philosophy and saying, this is what we believe works. And this is what we want you as players to try to execute. Yeah. And that's the biggest issue that it's coming from the very top, you know, whoever's running the show, it's coming from them. So what do you, you know, as a coach, as a, as a player, you have no choice but to follow that or else you're, you're out of a job. Simple as that. And that's what we're seeing with a lot of these guys. You know, one, one guy who I admire, and he plays for the White Sox, Nick Madrigal, the dude doesn't strike out. I think he struck out maybe three or four times this year in total. All he is is a, he's a contact, high-contact guy. We don't see a lot of guys like that anymore. We don't see a lot of DJ LeMahieu, even though he's struggling this year a little bit. We don't see a lot of that in MLB this, nowadays, and we probably haven't seen in the last maybe 10 years. And, and then it just speaks to what you're saying. You know, the, coming from the top, it's we need guys to hit home runs. We need guys to, to take a walk. And if they strike out, that's okay because they're still going to hit me 30, 40 home runs. I'm okay with the low batting average. I'm okay with the 200 or 250 batting average. As long as you get me 30 to 35 home runs, you walk 100 times a year, whatever it is, I'm fine with everything else you do or you don't do. And, and that's just not, that's not baseball. You know, I, I grew up in the 90s watching the Yankees and all these other teams too. And one of the big things that you would get excited for is, was Derek Jeter batting either leadoff or second. And you knew if Derek Jeter got on base with the hits to the other side, the opposite field base hit, he was probably going to steal second. Or if it was Alfonso Soriano batting, you knew he was going to be a 30-30 guy. He was going to steal the bases and all that stuff. We don't see that anymore. There's no more stolen bases. There's no more hit and run. You know, the whole left side is open for a left-handed hitter, and they don't even look that way anymore. So it's a non-existent. They're playing with half a field. So that's not baseball, man. And and something has to change, like you said, in the in the philosophy of the of the instructors. But I don't know, man. Baseball needs a big change. Yeah, <clears throat> and there's no question about it. I I, I think you know it's about a changing the philosophy, you know, because right now it's about hitting the ball in the air. Um, it's about, you know, not stealing a base because of this idea that that's giving away and out. Um, and so, you know, you have all these types of approaches to the game that I believe just rob the game of action. It robs the game of potential momentum and things of that sort. So, um, you know, I, I I just think that baseball um, needs to change. and But I think it's going to take time, Rob. I think it's going to take time because I believe we're going to need lo- new leadership coming in, whether that's, you know, GMs and others who are heading up teams and hitting coaches and, and so forth. But, you know, it, it may take a long time. But right now, baseball, which is heavily a numbers game, can't like the fact that for the fourth year in a row you know we're headed you know toward more strikeouts than hits and right now we have over nine thousand strikeouts 
you know, in the first five or six weeks of the season, and we don't even have 8,000 hits, 1,300 more strikeouts than hits in Major League Baseball right now. Think about that. 1,300 more strikeouts than hits. That can, that's, you know, that's a recipe for people turning the channel. That's a recipe for, you know, people turning away from the game. And, and Major League Baseball has gone on record of saying they want to attract younger fans. Well, younger fans have a shorter attention span. And if mm-hmm. you don't capture their attention, I don't know how you do it with the game being played the way it's being played now. So if Major League Baseball really wants to capture younger and younger audience, then they need to address some of these things in the game. They do, and they need to do so very quick, man. Because like you said, the younger fan base wants to see action. You know, that's why they're attracted to, to the NBA, which is back and forth action nonstop. To the NFL, which is a lot of running back and forth and things of that nature, you know? And MLB is a lot of no action you know it's a lot of just the pitcher throwing and striking the guy out and that's the game yeah and so we'll see um we'll 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 see you know if the offense will pick up i I, i'm one that's hoping that the offense will pick up um this year Um, the weather has been kind of cool even here as we talk about it being spring, but it's been cool here in the Northeast. And hopefully, you know, when the weather moderates, maybe, you know, offenses will begin to heat up. I don't know, but I I do believe that the problem is bigger than the weather. Um, And I think it comes down to the hitting approach right now, to be honest with you. So I think we have, I think we have some problems. Um, Speaking of problems, uh, the Dodgers, the Dodgers have some problems, bro. Um, the Dodgers right now are 18 and 17 after getting off to a blistering start, 13 and two in their first 15 games. They're five and 15 in their last 20. What's happened to the Dodgers, man? I think they're they're still trying to figure that out themselves, man. (laughs) wow talk about a a fall from grace after you know they come off their championship season they start the season off thinking you know 13 and 2 i believe it was and all of a sudden we're talking about them running away with the with the national league so early in the season but they've come back down to earth and honestly you know they've had struggles with their bullpen they've had struggles with injuries they just lost dustin may who on a lot of other teams, he's probably a number two or three starter, and he's their number four or five guy. Um, so he, that's a big blow to their rotation. Um, David Price still hasn't really figured anything out yet this season, so they're still trying to get things together. They they don't have Bellinger yet. Um, they, a lot of moving pieces that just haven't come together. Um, so I don't think it's time to panic in L.A., especially where they started off so good. And it's just – I think maybe sometimes as baseball fans we're we see these teams struggling when they start off well, especially a team like the Dodgers, and we panic really quick. But I think it's, you know, it's just, it's baseball. It's a really long season. It's not a 60-game season, you know, where a stretch like this could have made, would have been make or break for their season. Um, but it's a long season. It's 162 games. You know, like I said, they have injuries. They, they've lost some key guys. I don't think it's reason to panic. And, and I say that as a Yankee fan who was panicking, couple weeks ago 
But I think this struggle that the Dodgers are going through is a lot different than the struggles that the Yankees were were dealing with and are kind of still working out. So, L.A., don't panic. Don't freak out just yet. Let this play out. This is just a rough stretch in a long season. Yeah, I, I would tend to think that's right. I mean, their talent is still what it is. Um, it, it, it It's just remarkable, though, to see um, just how much they've been struggling. I, I believe they've lost like five or six series in a row, you know what I mean, which is hard to do, you know what I mean, where yeah. you can't even capture, you know, two out of three games against a team. So, you know, they've really been getting it handed to them. We'll see how how things go. And you and you're absolutely right. It is it is a long season. Um speaking of long seasons, man, you know, Francisco Lindor in New York, uh it it has to seem like it's been a long season so far for him. Even though over the last couple of games he's shown some real signs of turning it around. I think he's now in a good place, but he he got off to a really really slow start. Still hitting around 180, um, so he's not anywhere near what he typically uh, has done in the past and is likely to do for the Mets. But he's starting to turn it around. But um, he he went through a stretch, I believe, where he was 0 for 26, um, and you know he was really scuffling. But um, I think he's starting to turn it around. But um, some bigger news came out with Francisco Lindor over the weekend, and what seemed to be uh, it seemed to be a, a a little bit of a spat between Lindor and his teammate, second baseman Jeff McNeil, where they had some miscommunication on the field, and then in the bottom of the inning, they're in the dugout in the tunnel, and no one knew what was going on, and then after the game. They asked what happened, and Francisco Lindor said that he and McNeil were arguing over whether a rodent (laughs) that they saw in the tunnel was a rat or a raccoon. Oh, man. (laughs) Help me out with this one, man. What do you think about this whole rat-raccoon controversy? (laughs) Oh man, talk about some bad cover up, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Man, that's a situation you just gotta just say, you know, no, that's a conversation that's staying in the clubhouse and that's it. But <laughs> come on. You I don't know, man. I think that's gonna like catch that. on, man. I, I I think neighbors are gonna call the police. Because they hear some arguing <laughs> next door, and the cops are going to come and say, "Excuse me, sir, we got a call of a disturbance here. What's going on?" <laughs> oh, that's just me and my wife. We were arguing whether or not that was a rat or a raccoon in the backyard. <laughs> Man, <laughs> they may have started a new TikTok challenge now with yeah, this rat, rat, rat or raccoon stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's the question. Man, rat wow. or raccoon. Talk um, about a cover-up. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you in saying that's not a very good cover-up. Look, if 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 Lindor and McNeil were, you know, had a little bit of a disagreement over something that happened on the field, that's fine. It happens, right? Um, but I don't know whether stories like that, when I say stories, an explanation like that, 
plays well in a town like New York where people are cynical anyway. You tell people your name and they don't even believe you. You know what I'm saying? So in New York, people (laughs) tend not to believe much of anything that anybody says. Um, But that particular story is one of those that, you know, you go, hmm, okay. You you, should have just said, you know, I I don't feel like talking about it. But but in any event, the Mets have been playing well um, as of, you know, this, this recording, they have won five games in a row. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're playing well, but that whole rat raccoon thing, um, wasn't, wasn't a good look for them. I don't think. Um, and, and Rob, speaking of things that not being a good look, Albert Pujols was released by the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim. Um, Albert Pujols, surefire future Hall of Famer released by the Angels. What are your thoughts about that? Man, this is not a... It was it was unexpected, first of all. Um, there was nothing going on prior to the announcement, nothing that was going on in the social media world. He was even playing third base a couple of days or a game or two before he got released. So you didn't really suspect anything and then it happens and you're, it was literal shock across the baseball world that he was just released. Um, I don't think it's a good look, honestly, not for, not, not for Pujols, but for the angels, it's not a good look for them. Um, Pujols is a guy who's done a lot for the game, not just here in America in the MLB, but also in DR as well. He's a big figure in DR. He's a big figure in MLB, great character guy from, you know, from, you just hear the feedback that came from him being released. A lot of guys standing up for him. And I don't think he's said anything yet. I don't think he's released any statement or anything yet. But a lot of guys standing up for him saying he wasn't treated right when he was released. And that's a big thing that speaks to the character of the player, especially when something so sudden happens. But I, I just don't like it, man. I don't know what the full details are. Nothing's come out yet. But it doesn't look good for the angels when somebody like this gets released all of a sudden, and then there's no explanation to follow to kind of give people some insight on, on why the decision was made. And the guys that you're talking about who stood up for him, at least some of the guys are, I mean, you're talking some real guys, man, Pedro Martinez, David Ortiz, Adrian Beltre, you know what I mean? We're not talking about, you know, um, some no-name guys, you, you know, some real, um, you know, Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, bona fide, you know, superstars of the game saying this is not how you treat a player of Albert's stature. And I think they're right. I, I think they're right. And again, I don't know what went on in Anaheim, but something went sideways for the relationship to end so abruptly. But whatever it was that happened, it's it's unfortunate. It doesn't look good. Um, now the question becomes, does Albert Pujols play again? Does he sign on with another team? And that remains to be seen. Um, he is limited defensively. Um, you know, I, I would believe that he probably would have to play in the American League so he could DH. And yeah. so, it, it, you know, uh, uh uh, are there any openings out there among American League teams for a player of Albert's stature? Maybe we won't find out until 
you know, as we get closer to the trading deadline or whatever, and somebody may want to pick them up and add them to the bench, especially if they could, um, you know, take advantage in September of expanded rosters or something. I don't know, but I, I hope we don't, we haven't seen the last of them, but um, yeah, just something that you just don't see. This guy is on his way to Cooperstown and right now, you know, he has been unceremoniously released by by Anaheim. Sad yeah, story. And it's, it is a definitely a sad story. And I hope this is not how his career ends. Like, we, you know, nobody's saying here Alba Fruholz is still the superstar he was. Obviously, he struggled over the past few years and stuff like that. But this was the end of his contract this year. You know, kind of let him play it out. But like, like you said, we don't know what the full story is. I'm sure that'll come out at some point this season, maybe in the off season, maybe before that. But right now it's just, it, it just doesn't look good and it's sad. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, um, switching gears for a second, um, and, you know, uh, there was something really interesting that took place um, a few days ago. Um, you know, USA track and field held an event that is for what, like the, Olympic qualifiers, right? Um, yeah. You know, you can, um, you know, if you compete in, in in these events, and then you can go to that that next round. And NFL player, wide receiver, right for the Seattle Seahawks, DK Metcalf, competed in the one hundred meters. Now, this this came about, and we all know it. I mean, it's clear, right? This came about because of that pick six that he saved, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was just incredible, right? Russell Wilson threw the interception against the Cardinals. Buda Baker, like you know, uh, intercepted the 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 pass like at the goal line, and it was one of those things where there's no one in front of him, right? And so he's just running. And my goodness, man, DK Metcalf tracked him down. You know, we talk about LeBron and his, you know, how he tracks people down for block shots. But this was incredible because you saw it coming. He's like, that guy's going to catch him, right? Yep. <laughs> and he he caught Buda Baker, saved the touchdown. And what was remarkable is that the defense of um, Seattle held, and they didn't score a point. So it really showed how important that play was. But it put his speed, everybody knew he was fast, but it really highlighted just how fast he was. And so after that, you know, some talk came about him competing in the 100 meters, and lo and behold, he competed, and he didn't win. In fact, I think he came in eighth out of ninth in his heat. But he ran a 10-3-7, man. He looked good, too. He did. He did. And it's funny because <laughs> you keep seeing the video and this dude is gigantic, yes. first of all. So everyone <laughs> running next to him looks like toddlers running. <laughs> but, but man, <laughs> listen, this is a guy who, who basically you could say he walked on to the track to, to the track meet and said, all right, let me run this against bona fide stars in, in track and field. And he ran a 10, was it a 10 three, six? Yeah, that's impressive. Three, man. Yeah, something like that. Ten three six, ten three seven. But that was, Otto Bolden said he thought he was going to run, and you know Otto Bolden's Olympic sprinter, right? Yeah. He thought he was going to run a ten six or a ten seven. Wow. Yeah. 
That's impressive, man. Listen, I consider myself a fast guy. My friends will laugh when they hear this because they know that I don't lose. I don't lose races. I've actually never been thrown out on a ground ball to short or third. So I consider <laughs> that. Uh, I consider that my my ten three seven hundred meter. But man, that that's impressive for this guy to do that. Wow. Especially yeah, it really at his is. Size too. At his that's size the thing. Too. You're right because he's like six four. And I guess he's listed at like 235, 240 or whatever. Um, I think they said he might have been 225 for the race, but wow. I don't know. Like you said, he you could you could see the size differential <laughs> yeah. with him and those other runners. <laughs> and for a man that size to to you know to put him down and take him up that fast, that was impressive, man. Yeah. Um yeah, but he and he held up pretty good right at the beginning. It wasn't towards about the middle where they, you know, you kind of saw the separation. Yeah, but he started off really good, really, really well. For about the first 50, 55 meters, he was right there. He yeah, was right there. Um, so if if anybody hasn't seen the video, just Google DK Metcalf one hundred meters, and you're going to see something that is really remarkable given that, as you said, he's competing against world-class sprinters, and he yeah. more than held his own. He more than held his own. So that was that was remarkable. Um, another remarkable feat, man, our man Russell Westbrook. He passed Oscar Robertson uh, for the most triple-doubles in NBA history. He has 182. And you know what's really... He's not getting cheap ones. That's what's really amazing about it. This guy's calling, yeah. he's scoring 28 points, pulling down, you know, 18 rebounds and dishing 21 assists. I mean, he's doing some crazy, crazy stuff. And he's been doing it since the All-Star break as he's really gotten healthy because he was hurt in the beginning of the season. He's gotten healthy and he has been flat out phenomenal. What's your take on Russell, man? Man, I'm so happy for this guy. Um, he's he's had a lot of criticism over the past few years, and he just hasn't changed who he is. He's he's probably one of the most genuine players I've ever seen in my life. Like he sticks to what he is, to who he is. He doesn't care what you say about him. He's gonna go out there. He's gonna play his game. He's gonna continue to do what he does, and well earned for him, man. Congratulations to Westbrook. An amazing, amazing feat to do this man like and he's not done playing it's not like he's retiring next year or in two years like he still has a few years ahead of him so we'll see where he ends up but it, this is a record that's never going to be broken in my opinion once he decides to hang him up but my goodness the guy like you said he, he doesn't put up cheap numbers it isn't a 10 10 10 kind of thing it, it, it's some solid numbers and the guy is just phenomenal man not enough can be said about the effort he puts in every day the work he does you know, having to go from team to team over the past few years and just continue to put up these numbers, that's impressive, man. Kudos to him. Yeah, it really is impressive. Um, and, you know, he's been in the league 13 years now, Rob. 13 years. And he, you know, doesn't seem to be slowing down. And so, you know, he's he's going to put some more triple-doubles up on the board. And, look, they probably said no one was going to break Oscars record you know what i mean and you know the old saying is records are made to be broken so you know you never know but i think russell is going to make it very difficult to pass him 
um, because he still has a lot in the tank. Um, uh, speaking of basketball, man, coming up this weekend, a lot of a lot of interesting things in basketball. First, um, WNBA starts its season this Friday, and you know I'm I'm looking forward to watching more WNBA. Over the last couple of years, I've really gotten away from watching. And I, and I want to watch more of it this year. And I'll be honest with you, one of the things that has really drawn me back to the, to the W is the social justice work that these, yeah. these young ladies have been engaged in. They've been remarkable. They really have set the pace, I think. Um, but beside that, I mean, they, they really do play a good brand of basketball, especially for a guy like me who can only dunk on a Nerf basketball court. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I can relate <laughs> to playing below the rim. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm looking forward to WNBA eight days. They tip off on Friday. Um, but Saturday, man, Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. Tim Duncan's going in. KG's going in. But without question, the headliner, and it's a sad headliner, is Kobe Bryant, who will be inducted in the Hall of Fame by none other than Michael Jordan. So that's huge coming up this weekend. And then um, the NBA's Basketball League in Africa kicks off on Sunday. So um, three three powerhouse basketball events this weekend. What are your thoughts about any or all of those? Looking forward to it, man. Um, obviously, the Hall of Fame stuff, um, you kind of want to celebrate it, but then at the same time, Kobe's not going to be there to to give his speech, which, you know, when you when he retired, you kind of knew that his speech was going to be epic. And unfortunately, you know, with his passing, we're going to miss that. Um, but it's still going to be bittersweet to see it happen and all that stuff. Um, and then the WNBA, like you said, their social justice movements, a lot of people give credit to the NBA, but the WNBA is really what started it. And I think they kicked that off and really it took it took power with them. So it's impressive what they've done. I think after the bubble play and all that stuff, I'm hoping that more people start watching the WNBA now because these women deserve it, man. They play hard. They play great. And, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing some games as well. They're playing back in their home markets for the first time since the shutdown. So that'll be exciting for the fans to see their, their teams and all that stuff again. I'm hoping the, the Liberty have a better season this year. Uh, they weren't really good last year, so hopefully they pick it up. They have their the Sabrina's back, so we'll see how she does in a full season now, not being injured anymore. And then the Basketball Africa League, I'm looking forward to that as well. Anytime you can integrate international play with the sport, I think that helps the sport in general overall. You know, I love seeing, like, the World Baseball Classic and stuff like that and the Olympics for basketball. So I think this league, hopefully, you know, people – it garnered some attention. Jay Cole is playing in it. A lot of people love Jay Cole, the rapper. So maybe that'll bring some attention to it as well. But it's exciting stuff happening in the NBA, man, or in, the, in basketball in general. So looking forward to it. Yeah, and the NBA is behind that league, right? So it's really, you're talking about expansion yeah. and global expansion. I mean, that's really what's going on here big time with, with basketball Africa. So, um, yeah, but a lot of things to look forward to. Um, on that score this coming weekend. Um, and then the last thing, uh, Rob, to talk about tonight, believe it or not, if I had a bell, I would ring it. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> hockey, right? Hockey. 
because you know uh just last night again as we're recording this so it was on monday night the tampa bay lightning had three black players start on the front line three forwards um uh, no one is saying that's the first time it's happened. It has happened in the minor leagues, but it's a rarity in the NHL. But they had three black players on the front line starting the game and, you know, received a lot of attention um, and and well-deserved, uh, received a lot of attention. And, you know, people saying, hey, we're, we're hoping that this is not the last we see of this and you know those who tune into the show know how big hockey of hockey fans we are rob you know they know that (laughs) and so we had to save the best for last (laughs) what are your thoughts on that man man you see we talk hockey we love hockey on the show man so good for hockey you know we hope like you said we hope to see more of this and that suddenly that this eventually becomes the normal the normal thing um but great for the league great for great for the team the coach said, you know, they're in the NHL for a reason, these three guys. It's because they deserve to be there. So I'm glad that they were able to get on there on the ice together and play together and do this. And hopefully, you know, we see more of this because we need to see that, more integration of, of black players in across all sports because hockey, has, I think it was like 3% of the players are black or something like that. And, and the baseball numbers are decreasing as far as um, African-American players in the league. So we want to see more of that. So let's let's continue to work. Let's continue to put in the work and the effort to get black players in, in all these leagues, man, because there's a lot of talented people out there, and they deserve a shot. Yeah, and you hit on the point of, you know, 3% uh, uh, black players in, in the NHL. And, you know, the NHL has undertaken some efforts in, in recent years um, yeah. to diversify, right? And try to feed, you know, diverse talent into the game. And typically you hear people say when such efforts are underway that it's going to take time, right? That's almost like the typical line, right? It's going to take time. Um, And, you know, there's some truth to that, given that, you know, professional sports, like all sports, there is a development process you know what i'm saying like you know you draft somebody they now need to be developed you don't just jump to the highest part or the highest league uh or you know um as a player right you have to work your way up and so yeah there's probably some truth to that but um you know um, there's obviously some work to be done and you mentioned baseball with its dwindling numbers of, of black players as well. There's some work to be done. Um, and I think baseball, quite frankly, has a bigger problem than hockey, given the yep. history, because baseball has a decline yep. in the numbers of African-Americans who are playing the game. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think hockey's coming from 20 percent and is now down to three. You know what I'm saying? But baseball was exactly. around 20 percent and is now down to six or seven. And it's been in that six or seven realm for quite a while. So uh, between the two sports, I think baseball has the bigger problem, even though a higher percentage of their players are black. But um, but getting back to the hockey, a good story, a feel-good story. Um, it was the last game of the regular season, and um, it was just good to see. It was good to see. And as you said, hopefully, you know, these types of stories 
will stop becoming stories at some point. The same way when we say the first woman has done this or that, we kind of hope that that becomes something that's more of the norm and not a big story. But that's going to take some time. And until then, we celebrate it when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with it, man. I love to see change and hopefully change becomes the normal. That's right. That's right. And maybe, maybe, you know, talking hockey will become normal for us. Mm, we'll nah. <laughs> 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 and on that note, <laughs> I think we'll put this one in the hopper, brother. But um, it was good talking with you, man. We just kind of took a tour around the world of sports and touched on a couple of things. So it was good catching up with you and um, looking forward to coming back next time, man. We're going to do it again. Knock it out the box. Another edition of sports 360.